in a place that only has three fucking streets, <laughs> he couldn't remember the name of the street he was on. Turn left, go straight. I know you like to think of yourself as rich, and maybe <laughs> you are. Turn right, straight. If, if you if you find a Sheikh Abdul Huziba, yeah. Welcome to 8 Minutes on High. I'm Max. And I'm Zach. And today is 8-17-2013. I just have to read it, you know. <laughs> Everybody knows it's August. Do you ever notice... You know what? The the people listening to it, they, they're they not going to listen to it on this day. But it's nice <laughs> to know when we did record it. Well, and, and that's exactly why I do it, so that, that when things are out of context time-wise, they're... But we've been enjoying summer vacation for uh, several weeks here and, and missed many podcasts, so. Well, yes, uh, I don't know about enjoying. I've worked till seven a number of nights. It's, it's been been a tough summer. Well, the the best thing, I'm, I'm a government employee, and the best thing about the furlough is that it was in the summer. And so well, yeah. you got to have days uh, off without pay. This is the time to have them. So, does how do I ask this? The the political BS. When does the continuing resolution happens at the beginning of September? I uh, believe the end of September, beginning of October is the new fiscal year. Okay, that's that's a let's see, October, November, December. So at least it's a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but now the Republicans are talking about not doing a continuing resolution, right? Uh, no budget, no continuing resolutions, uh, no so debt ceiling on the government, right? Right. And well, and I wanted to, to to bring up that point about the farm bill, just in case the beginning of this gets cut off, because they've always been able to do a farm bill, and. It's, in my opinion, exclusively the Tea Party's fault that they can't do a farm bill because they're fucking blaming the poor. By the way, I have been drinking uh, <laughs> and and may continue to have some more of this cranberry bog. Uh, and it pisses me off that they're, they're, the Republicans are trying to take a little bit more money away from the poor people. And they're, they're – their discussion was, well, let's separate this. And the whole point of the reason that they weren't separated, it is the uh, uh, rural areas didn't trust the urban areas and the urban areas didn't trust the rural areas. And so they took something the rural areas really wanted and something the urban areas really wanted and stuck them together. Right. And they do have one thing in common. They're both welfare. Food. Yeah. Well, that's a good point, too. And, in fact, that's a huge point because we don't talk enough about corporate welfare, and I don't have any numbers. But farming is agribusiness now, and that farm bill is a huge handover to corporations like fucking Monsanto, is it not? Uh, Yep, they get the largest part of the benefit, I believe. So, you know, why should we make sure – Poor people have a little bit extra food when we could give money to Monsanto. How does anyone defend that? And and what really gets you is that the poor people we're talking about, I think it's something like 55% of them are children. 
getting this right. food. We're feeding hungry children. Now, let's all raise our hands on who wants to vote against feeding hungry children. You got to be right. kidding me. They're yes, children. well, they're... <laughs> But people will say the, the the most diehard will say, "Let them starve." The orphanages and work. Yeah, so. yeah. They're, they're welfare queens. They're making babies so that they can stay. And on how is that the baby's fault? <laughs> well, but you're just encouraging them by feeding the babies. Yeah, they'd all die. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I agree with you. It's at some point you have to say, "Come on," and and especially as long as there are corporate benefits from Monsanto, just like there are benefits and incentives for the oil companies to drill for oil and all this other shit. And nobody ever talks about the industrial corporate benefits. And so I did. So I wanted to talk about anyhow, they will go through their minutia. This next month will be relic two months. Well, six weeks will be pretty painful for me watch well yeah so uh, does this in october does this start again maybe mm-hmm. maybe so i mean you, you could have a continuing 20 percent pay cut we're still going to have the sequester next year it's the it's the Fine. if you can't reach a budget with these numbers then the automatic that the super committee was supposed to hopefully figure out right you have an automatic cut it's not 20 percent but uh and it's just automatic across the board uh across every line item cut that doesn't allow you to prioritize what's important wasn't it like 40 billion dollars that got cut out of the budget by the sequester yeah it was a good amount yeah i'm thinking that that it was less than one percent of the entire budget Mm, i don't know yeah, I don't, I don't have the numbers, but I, I think the budget is a trillion. Well, there's and an a half. awful lot of things that are uh, left out of the uh, sequester equation. Right, right, like defense. Well, no, defense no. is part of it. Defense was part of it. That's right. But um, parts of well, defense are food stamps was left out. Oh no, no food stamps. Wasn't. Um, Social Security, all the uh, quote unquote yeah. entitlement paid uh, programs that we paid for i hate calling them entitlements we're not going to call them entitlements anymore here we're going to call them social security and medicare because they're caring for people's medical problems and they're making people socially well those those were uh, exempted and there were there were a bunch of things exempted probably half the budget was exempted maybe right well yeah i think it was even more than half well when you when you don't exempt the military totally then you pretty much got half right there. The the but what was exempted was our troops in combat and all that uh, for the wars and right. things. Right. Which anyhow, even the most screaming liberal, well maybe not, but even me as a screaming liberal would say, you better fucking pay the soldiers <laughs> yeah. and make sure they have absolutely. all the armor they can get. Yeah, absolutely. Don't want them yeah. running out of uh, bullets and spam and. All and that things, and stuff. things that are under their Humvees and shit like that. Yep, absolutely. You know? In fact, they never should have been fighting in Humvees anyway. But that's, but that's another story. <laughs> but the point is, is that we get to go through this whole budget thing again. And uh, uh, hopefully this time, um, wiser heads will prevail and they'll be able to make their cuts instead of unthinkingly across the board, tell the 
places that have to be cut, you have to cut this much money, figure it out and come back. To right. And, and I'll right. tell you, this is just me. I mean, there's nothing empirical uh, or that I can prove, but I'm sure they don't want to do that because the military will come back and say, okay, we're going to cut the XYZ uh, bomb that's produced in so-and-so's <laughs> district. And, right. And then he goes to all of his buddies right. on both sides of the aisle and says, well, you know, you, you cut my military district program and i'll cut your military district program and and that's the thing the across the board cuts but uh also for those out there that uh uh hate us government workers <laughs> keep in mind we haven't had a pay increase for three years either no and you had a 20 percent cut this week or this year to well speak. no we had it's a five it was it would have been a five percent cut uh it was it only ended up six weeks of 20 percent cut so however oh, that I comes see. up mathematically. Originally it was going to be 22 weeks. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, it was not the whole year. And um yeah, and then uh by saving money here and there that they could, they were able to cut that back to 11. Well, you know, and the Republicans wanted to to have this big fight in April and the economy kept getting better <laughs> and the savings made it better and and they kept waiting for there to be an economic crisis, and there kept not being an economic crisis. And uh, in fact, now I hear Europe is is following a uh, Ben Bernanke model. Um, somebody just yesterday I heard uh, switch their policies to to uh, a more Bernanke-like approach to stimulus. And in fact, if we had had a second stimulus, and if we had not taken a million or a million and a half state government jobs out of the system, we would be having a roaring economy or at least a rushing economy. Uh, we still don't – we haven't fixed our problem with manufacturing well, by a long shot. Yeah, I, I know that. Uh, I don't know what you do about uh, competing with uh, a product that is such a high percent labor cost. If Did I tell you about the guy – was a salesman over in China mm -mm. and the wiffle balls. Mm -mm. Somebody invented a machine that could take the two halves of a wiffle ball and meld them together and make one solid wiffle ball out of it. Mm -hmm. But the machine cost X amount of money and it was cheaper for the wiffle ball manufacturing corporation to simply hire people to glue the two halves together. Mm -hmm. It's not Human. that's not an unusual story in uh, uh, the uh, I guess I can't call uh, China a third world or undeveloped country, but they still have really low wages and really terrible environmental conditions and really terrible uh, worker safety. Mm -hmm. Well, they're they're about 70 years behind us, basically all the. Right, but they're rushing. <laughs> they're catching up. No, but I mean, I mean, as far as pollution, uh, we went through. Remember Los Angeles smog in the sixties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smog alerts, absolutely. And in fact, I remember specifically watching a movie called A Clear and Present Danger, about how if the smog gets any worse on certain days, people will die going outdoors in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean. I don't know what they're going to do in, in, in uh, China or anything, but they're beginning to uh, notice the problems of uh, environmental pollution, and they, they may go through a uh, revolution just like we did with the environmental movement and start to straighten it out a bit. The thing that I always find ironic is that 
as a communist country, they have no workers programs. They they don't have unions, and you know, it, people talk about the United States being socialist now, which is of course a joke. But there was a little association back in the early part of the 1900s between unions, or at least some some friendliness between unions and socialists, because they were both interested in workers. And in China, nobody gives a fuck about workers because they actually wouldn't mind a few less people. <laughs> you know, they're they're literally spending their workers. It's uh, it's it's a terrible terrible thing. But worse than that, I'm certainly not qualified to to opine on economics, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's capital versus labor. And right now in this country, all the rules and all the benefits are going to capital and all the pressure is on labor because there is so much cheap labor across the ocean. Mm -hmm. Until the American worker gets a little more leverage on the government, because capital has a lot of leverage on the government, the American people, the average middle class American is going to be squeezed. You are a classic example a great example of a middle class person being squeezed. I know you like to think of yourself as rich, and maybe <laughs> you are. I don't think I've ever used that term <laughs> in, in describing myself ever. Oh, well, I, I've been known to not make at least up financially. Up. <laughs> not not financially, right? I've I've been known to make things up out of whole cloth on podcasts. <laughs> anyway, um, moving on. Well, um. Again, uh, this started, I, I said, did you want to talk about uh, uh, the Trayvon Martin Zimmerman thing since we hadn't been Yes, we hadn't done that, and, and already it's, it's kind of old news, but um, I do want to talk about it, um, and for whatever good it does for me to, uh, you know, I hear a lot of stories, a lot of people talking about how you know, it's old white men who are the problem these days. And not all of us old white guys hate young people and people with brown skin. And I have a great sympathy for this kid. I can't get it out of my head. The one guy stays in the car, the other guy lives. Even though a lot of technical people have opined that that was technically the correct verdict. Something went wrong somewhere. That's my opinion. What's yours? <laughs> well, something went wrong somewhere. There is a dead child. And I and I use the word child because he was 17, but only three weeks into being 17. So. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. And I, I have raised four boys. Mm -hmm. And they do stupid things, but one of the stupid things that I would find fully okay to do is run down to the, uh, the store, store get, and get, get some Skittles and pop and walk back talking on his cell phone to his their girlfriend. Right. I, <laughs> you, can't, you can't get more normal behavior than that. And I think I, – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and it's just so convenient that you have a person who is – familiar with the stand your ground, familiar with all the technical issues by the fact that he took courses. 
Right. That he was, and got an A. And and was the head of the neighborhood watch program. And con- Which he created. And conveniently, as the head of the neighborhood watch program in a place that only has three fucking streets, <laughs> he couldn't remember the name of the street he was on. So he had to get out and walk. And then, remarkably, he was confronted by this other person. And being that the other person's dead and can't give their side of the story, the story that he gave was perfect to get a, to, to get off on a defense of stand your ground, which I know that wasn't uh, technically a lot of people have said that wasn't yeah. technically the charge to the jury, but the jury even said they talked about it. Right. Okay. So I think that. If we could channel Trayvon Martin, do you think maybe his side of the story would have been a little different than I think, Zimmerman's I think side it's of the possible. Story? I think it's highly possible that he didn't come up and say, you got a problem? He says, no, I got, don't got a problem. Well, you do now. You're going to die tonight. I don't think that that's what happened. And, yeah. and you can't prove it. And that's the whole thing about our legal system uh, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt and all that. But I, for some reason, this verdict, even though it may have been technically correct, there's something wrong with the law, and it left me very empty. Right, because you know, outside of the fact that your kids are white, this could have been one of your kids. Mm-hmm. That that there was there was no crime being committed. There was no imminent threat, other than the one caused by the guy with the fucking gun. gun. And and one of the other things I heard in the trial that I thought was interesting that never really got discussed much is he was talking about, he was reaching for his cell phone. Yeah. And uh, he said he didn't have it where he normally did. So it wasn't in his normal pocket. And he started to reach, you know, down mm. to, to where his other pockets were. And if I'm this Trayvon Martin kid and I, and I'm, I've had to live with what he has and I can't even imagine what African-American right. people have to live with as far as, us our authority figures and right and right. all that did he think he was going for a gun and then attacked him because he was afraid i don't know yeah. i can't i wasn't there the only one that was there is was i believe right. maybe not in a, a person that had ill intent to start out with but definitely did wrong had a bias and did wrong and the other thing is i, I two other thoughts while you were talking one that that I heard about uh, the little. Uh, I saw some of the trial because I was on vacation for one of the weeks of it, uh, and I, I saw them talking about how the gun was on Zimmerman's back yeah. as opposed to on his side, mm-hmm. and Zimmerman testified. And this is the, this is the other thing this that. He testified, but he didn't testify. Somehow he got his information out. I'm not quite sure how that happened, other than when he went to the television people and said, here's how it happened. That's how it got out. How does that get into court? The judge let it in. (laughs) So anyway, uh, one of the prosecutors, the sort of substitute prosecutor, uh, had the dummy, and he... Got on him. He got on him, and he said, Zimmerman said, Trayvon Martin was on him with his knees under his armpits. Yep. If you're lying on your back with somebody sitting on your chest, it's very hard to reach to your back and pull out a gun, which suggests to me that Zimmerman had the gun out earlier. Mm -hmm. And in which case, that 
changes the, the technicalities of the law. Then now he's, he's assaulting him. If he's pointing a gun at him, isn't that assault? It's not battery. He didn't touch him. I've heard people, experts say it was a poor effort at prosecution. And maybe that's why it feels bad. Well, I think their main problem was going for, uh, what, murder too? Well, why is that? I, I've heard a lot of people say that. Because it involves intent. And well, but the you in- could drop to manslaughter. They didn't get manslaughter either. Well, I think it got confused with the uh, because of the, ma- the, main ver- uh, the main charge. If they'd have gone for manslaughter as the main charge, which is unintentional. But they were going over the uh, nine... One one calls where he was basically saying those blah blah blahs get away with you know, right. So that's I guess what their thought, and I'm not going to nitpick and and try to figure it out. It's just as right. I said, the 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 verdict left me feeling hollow that right. there's there's something wrong when a young child going right. to this corner store for some pop and and Candy, talking to his girlfriend on a cell phone, ends up dead. Shot to death. And It's not like he fell down a well. Yeah. (laughs) And there's there's no law broken anywhere. Right. So, and... It doesn't pass the sniff test. So, anyhow, that's... that's, There's not not much we can say about it. I'm glad that it did get to court, but it left me unsatisfied. But that is what it is. Hopefully, some positive change can come from it. Uh, that's really kind of the way I feel about it too. So, um, you want to have at Edward Snowden again? In- well, yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, there's been more stuff coming out. I I know that uh, more information has been uh, coming out on uh, from the Snowden documents. I guess they are showing the uh, amount of surveillance being greater than people thought. I didn't know that. And uh, some of the stuff I was reading on it, it has to do with actually screw-ups, where uh, <laughs> the example they used is they were scanning for 20, which is the uh, international area code for Egypt, and collecting all the data on any any phone calls using the 20, and they accidentally did the program wrong, <laughs> did the database search wrong, and it was picking up 202, because the first two numbers are 20. Mm-hmm. And that's Washington D.C. <laughs> yeah. And so they suck down all the communication of all the people in Washington D.C. <laughs> well, but we think maybe they're they're sucking down all of the communication. Period. End of sentence. Well, this is the content part. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, and and I saw that they admitted that they made some mistakes. Yeah. In fact, I I heard the number was thousands mm-hmm. out of twenty million. And that statistically is an incredibly small number. Yeah, and I, I read that too. So the the point was is that this is ongoing, that he must have had an awful lot of stuff that he stole. And you working with computers know what a system admin has access to is pretty much whatever right. they want. Right. So uh, who knows how much it is. But I think as much as I appreciate him raising the uh, level of discussion in the country about this issue, again – a lot of it, I thought, was already been discussed and known. Well, yeah, we did. You and I talk about, or was yeah. it was it the penguin and I about the letters of? I want to say letters of transit. I can't remember now. There's national security letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we where 
where they went to the they go to communications companies Google etc and say we're we want this information and you must not tell anyone we even asked for it right and that that's all goes back to even the Cold War right past even the uh, dreaded Patriot Act so yes that we did know that there was some of this stuff going yeah, on I'd have to say that the start of most of this stuff was the Patriot Act because before that the church commission out of the 70s had really put a, a chokehold on NSA and it was well, the Patriot Act that loosened it back up again oh I think that the Patriot Act is responsible for the vast uh, you know opening up of the hose but I think these national security letters go back to to the the commies and the anti. Oh, I, th I think they do too. But they were its use was expanded. It's very limited. It, yeah, but right. it, but its use had been expanded. And after nine eleven, the the big thing that I that I concede about that that they should have done was there was a, there was a firewall. I can't think of what it was called between the CIA and the FBI. You're not allowed to exchange information, particularly about American citizens. And that all got blown away. And it kind of makes sense now that, you know, if you got foreign nationals operating in this country and operating with American citizens, maybe you should let these two agencies talk to each other. The next point is, why do we have the NSA? And there may be a legitimate reason, but why do we need fucking homeland security on top of it? You want to talk about getting rid of, getting downsizing the government? Let's get rid of the whole upper layer of bureaucracy. Isn't it the CIA's job to spy on foreigners? Well, and isn't it the FBI's job to? to and uh, and the whole reason for Homeland Security was the failure of 9/11, where information was known by both sides that wasn't put together. For instance, the FBI knew about people taking these uh, flight training courses, and right, the CIA right. knew about some transactions from Arab banks and stuff. But because what I'm saying is that. The law was changed to allow them to talk to each other. Yes. That was all that was needed. Yes. And so you need a controlling, you know, group. You, you need some kind of uh, structure. And that's why that was uh -huh. put there. Is all I'm saying. I, I, whether or not it was well done, whether it's overdone, underdone, but the, the whole thing is a reaction to 9-11. That there was an NSA and what they were since, I think, Watergate days, I think yeah, one of those around bastards. I mean, they've been around since before I knew about them, but but I think a, a lot of Americans didn't know what the NSA was, and and even if you ask them, you know, what was Condoleezza Rice's job in the Bush administration? I don't know that they could tell you. Well, I could. I would say that I'm not sure why you need a CIA and an NSA, and uh, you know, there's probably yeah, some others. The 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 military has their military intelligence agency whatever it's right, called right. so you got a lot of different agencies that are spies and a lot of redundancy it seems to me yeah so be more uh cooperative with each other i.e the fbi i see you see it on every cop show right the local right. the local cops are there investigating their thing and the right. fbi comes in they go oh, the FBI came in. it is a cliche There's, the fbi agent comes uh, in and says i'll take yeah, i'll take you know and so they don't want to cooperate with each other and the same right. happens between uh ncis which i never knew about until there was a show right, about it 
right. uh, and the CIA and the NSA and Secret Service and right. you know I found out this thing. We don't want to share it with the CIA and let them get the glory. It, it, that kind of thing. But there's a person on top that's supposed to smooth that right. out. They go, hey, right. you want to not cooperate with him? Fine. You're fucking fired, and we're putting somebody else in. But anyhow, right. back right. to Snowden. Yes. More stuff has been leaked, and I think I've decided that I appreciate that he's made it a uh, a topic. A national conversation. And I think I've gotten to the point where I think that I just as soon if the government can get this information by going to phone companies when they have a specific thing, go to the, mm-hmm. your court, go to his Verizon company and tell Verizon and whoever the phone companies are, you need to keep this data for X amount of time, which they probably already do. If, if you if you find a Sheikh Abdul Huziba yeah. phone number and you want to see who he's calling, you go and you say, okay, I want your, you to search your records for this phone. I want you to search your records for this phone. I want you to search your records for this phone. Right, specific. Okay, and specific, the uh, fact requests, is yeah. that all the ones that don't match that are in the in the database of the, of the phone companies, and they cannot, they have to have certain regulations for them to be secure as much as possible, right. and they only keep them for three years or something. And that's mm. awesome. I, there's, there's another way to get this information is my point. Right. That doesn't require them to suck it all in and have it all on hand in a big giant database. So I could see that Snowden's contribution could affect how we're doing this stuff. And I appreciate that for him. But I will go back to hero or villain, and I'm going to go villain because Daniel Ellsberg stood on the soapbox and hung himself out there. Right. He he did that. He didn't go to China, who, uh, no matter what you say, is one of our adversaries. I won't say enemies, but they're definitely one of our competitors. Uh, Right. And Russia. Which again, they're not our enemies, but they are our adversaries. Well, and, and divulge even more than we know to them, instead of sitting there and being a martyr. And he should have stayed and been a martyr, and then I would have said he was a hero. But because he right. didn't, I I think he's a villain. That's that's largely my point of view. I'm coming around to that point, but I make a distinction between Putin and Russia, and I know that's technically not right but putin's a dick (laughs) putin assassinates people Mm -hmm. you know if it was russia under the last guy who seemed like maybe he was all right and you know they just kept him in the airport in sort of isolation well they could have uh extradited him to the u.s too that's what a country that's our friend would do that's exactly right. So and I didn't notice Hong Kong slash China doing that, and I didn't. No, I didn't notice Russia doing that. No, in fact, Russia is taking advantage of it to humiliate us if they can, and to possibly get national security secrets. I mean, just just for his own sake, putting yourself in the hands of Vladimir Putin is stupid. You've got valuable information. You could be tortured. Well, I think his whatever information he has has been. He's already been yeah. ex. Yeah. Well. Whether or not he's given them the key to open all the files, these guys are pretty good. If you can build a nuclear submarine, you can break Mr. Snowden's uh, encryption. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. I heard somebody say 
Iceland has a non-extradition, has no extradition to the United States. And all he had to do was go to Iceland and then stick his face on the interwebs. And he'd have been safe and living in what apparently is a really cool country. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's Greenland and it's frozen. Iceland is actually kind of warm. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so anyhow, that's my Snowden. All right. Uh, you want to do a little requiem for your pooch? I know uh, <laughs> you're sad, or did you not want me to bring that up? No, that's okay. Uh, my uh, uh, dog of uh, 11 years uh, passed away this week. Well, passed away in that we had to take her down and uh, put her to sleep. And uh, here's for you, Sasha. You were a good dog. And for all, all right. of you out there that have had pets, you know uh, exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, we'll get another dog because they... Uh, are really great yeah yeah and and here's a a, a snoot for you sasha because <laughs> i haven't had a snootful in a while um alex rodriguez hero villain or victim <laughs> well he got <laughs> enough money so i don't know um uh, I, I don't like uh artificial uh enhancements being injected into my sports and Regardless of this time or not, he's part of that. So, Right, but there's something about the way Major League Baseball is approaching him in particular. Yeah, they, they may be uh, – you might be They're right They're leaking there. stories. And, you know, they wanted him to take a 211-game suspension, but he had never actually been suspended before. He admitted wrongdoing. It seems to me if you want to suspend him – Apparently, there's another way that they can get you on a drug suspension besides testing positive. It's, I believe it's called Just Cause, and I just heard about it on a Mets game, I think, today, or maybe it was the Fox game. But whatever Just Cause is, isn't it still 50 games, and don't you have the right to suspend or to appeal your first suspension yeah and and to that ends i agree with you 100 percent uh the rules got to be the same for everybody right and then uh, my little pit i just don't have sympathy for people who break the rules no no well and especially in baseball we all know i think most sports fans feel that baseball statistics are somehow more cherished than any other sports statistics. Baseball lends itself to this grinding calculation. In fact, it's exploding in new forms of calculation, including the redoubtable OPS stat, which says that you add percentages, and somehow that gives you a legitimate mathematical... <laughs> All right, I got my other gripe in. <laughs> but uh, anyway, baseball stats are sacrosanct. You don't fuck with them and this whole generation has fucked with them and the broader question is what do you do with this whole generation i lived near cooperstown the local paper said uh, hall of fame weekend was pretty empty i can uh just a couple of points in that uh you're right about the stats and, and sacrosanct and all that but we've always said there were eras and and what when was it in the 60s where they lowered the pitcher's mound 1969 right and that changed the competition uh do you think that um our heroes from the you know 27s and 30s in the yankees would have 
had those numbers if we allowed, uh, heaven forbid, African-Americans to play? You know, I, 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 I was thinking about that argument the other day, and I think that I hate to say it because I love Babe Ruth, but that's a real strong argument. So the, the, there's always been something, and this will be known as the steroid era. And, and yeah. people will argue about Bonds with his billion home runs versus uh, 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 Babe Ruth or Hank Aaron. And they'll say, but he was this. And they say, yeah, but the pitchers were that. And, mm-hmm. and time goes on. Uh, as long as we know that most second basemen don't hit 45 home runs. <laughs> right. That, right. That we can that we can make these comparisons and say, yeah, he was a really great second baseman, but he was a steroid era era second baseman, and well, yeah, and, and so who gets in? Uh, that's a better question. I'm not sure. <laughs> my my my, and I'm I'm not laughing at you. I, I'm laughing because it's such a difficult but, question. But I don't think it's. Uh, there are some magic numbers that they put up, but what I look for in a Hall of Famer is, did they dominate their position for an extended period of time? Right. Was this guy the best first baseman, like Don Mattingly, for of his era. six years or of his era? You know, Don, well, Don didn't quite make it, not quite long enough, but, I mean, that's the kind of thing I would look at. Uh, Maddox, he, he was the dominant pitcher for 10 years. And nobody, uh, he, he does not get enough publicity. They are going to, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But and people are going to talk about it. Regardless of the numbers, who is the dominant player at that position for a period of time? And then you, you put him in and you go, okay, he was in the steroid era. Okay. And you, you use that as a modifier. What do, you, what do you do with a player who is angling towards Hall of Fame careers maybe 400 career home runs, maybe 500 career stolen bases. And then all of a sudden, at age 38, hits 300 more home runs. Yeah. Well. <laughs> to me, that that's the flag. And I throw it, and I say, fuck him. But I'm a, a heartless bastard. And Well, he'll and, be in uh, the Hall of Fame for being the home run champion, so. Well, that's, that's my point. Uh, you know, take it away from him. Yeah, well, it exists. <laughs> you know, every time I'm I'm going to think of myself as a heartless bastard, I'm going to think we uh, all think about the Sasha episode and how we we all have heartbreaks that we have to deal with and and uh, yeah, I just want to dedicate this episode to Sasha because people love dogs <laughs> and we have to go. We have to go. Time to play the music. If you can grab a circle in your hands and twist it, that's 